0: Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week Cynthia McKinney. Cynthia McKinney has served in the Georgia State Legislature and the United States Congress, where she voted against NAFTA, opposed the war on Iraq, introduced the first resolution for the impeachment of George W. Bush, she did not leave Congress until Diebold voting machines flipped votes away from her right in front of voters' eyes. She has been a Green Party candidate for U.S. president. She recently completed a Ph.D. I hope I have that right, and, and we can now call her Dr. Cynthia McKinney. Uh, Dr. McKinney, welcome to Talk Nation Radio.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me on and it's been it's been a while and it whenever we reconnect it's always
0: good. It is indeed. Remind me what your PhD is in.
1: <laughs> I am a proud graduate of the Antioch University PhD in leadership and change.
0: Wonderful. Didn't you Yes, know.
1: and in fact, um I hope uh in a few weeks actually to uh, launch a new website, and at the same time, I want to encourage people to download my dissertation. The dissertation was really on the leadership and the legacy on race of Hugo chavez, and so while it 's oh my gosh it 's three hundred pages and um of of uh, information on that particular topic but what i sought to do to be true to myself was to also include and to look at his look at his leadership in the context of what it was that he was challenging and that was the washington consensus the neoliberal order and um so of course you can't eliminate then the conversations about uh, Operation Condor and the various assassinations that John Perkins exposed to us, the confessions of the economic hitman, and uh, just the U.S. covert operations in the region and against particular personalities that were able to rise to leadership positions and use that leadership to advance the interests of their people, of which there have been many. So this, in one place, uh, also is a compilation of COINTELPRO, these official documents. I went through WikiLeaks, and that's a whole story in and of itself, that I had to remove the WikiLeaks documents from my dissertation, because, uh, quite frankly, well, you know, you can teach leadership but then actually doing it and suffering the consequences, which might have been immense for Antioch University and the librarian in particular because of the impositions now that U.S. law makes on librarians, if you can believe this... um, For exposing the truth, that's the Patriot Act. And so uh, that became a uh, topic in and of itself um, that I had to contend with, which extended my time for probably uh, an additional um, six months. And uh, as a result of that, I um, uh, graduated August. 1, 2015, with my Ph.D., but it was definitely a ride like on a roller coaster.
0: Well, if you can get me a link to that dissertation, first of all, I'd love to read it, but I'll also put a link to it uh, with this show at talknationradio.org. But, you know, I had heard from complaints from WikiLeaks that U.S. academic organizations and institutions were making it the standard that you could not cite Wikileaks uh, State department cables and and other leaked documents, even though everyone admits they're authentic. um but I had not heard of someone actually writing a dissertation and then having to go back and remove uh, WikiLeaks citations.
1: it it speaks to the level of censorship or and that it it, it becomes self censorship and then it becomes censorship. Um, and uh, and and so we don't get an accurate view of U.S. foreign policy behavior or U.S. behavior period if we can't use the WikiLeaks documents and and because of my interest in COINTELPRO, I um, had written um, in the course of the build up to the dissertation itself, I wrote about. Uh, American Indian movement and um, the Black Panther Party and COINTELPRO, and of course uh, Fili- Filiberto Ojeda Rios and his really murder and in his home by an FBI SWAT team. So I um, uh, use those documents and from what I under what I was able to glean from the research. Um, from COINTELPRO, and looking at the literature, academic literature in preparation for the dissertation, is that academics have not used the COINTELPRO documents, which is not a problem. They have not used the um, Frank Church committee reports, which is not a problem to use. And... uh but so that means that where we have bona fide U.S. government activity that is outside of the Constitution, outside of l- legal practice, the academic community is silent. And now with WikiLeaks, it has been silenced.
0: When, uh, when you looked at the U.S. relationship with Venezuela, I'm wondering if you saw any change when President George W. Bush left and President Barack Obama moved in and Secretary of State Hillary Clinton uh, took office in terms of U.S. Uh, conduct toward Venezuela and Honduras and other nations of that region.
1: Well, I think, if anything, what happened was the uh, the the Venezuelan leadership was um perhaps more receptive because of the deceptive nature of president obama and by that, what I mean is that there was this aura that had been created during the campaign, mind you, that President Obama was going to be different. He And during the campaign, candidate Obama, if you recall, was Abraham Lincoln, he was uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt, he was John Kennedy, he was Martin Luther King Jr., he was all of these... Um, personalities that you know some that that we revere as uh, personalities that represented some grand moment in the history of the United States, and so people literally were crying. I remember when he went and spoke at the uh, what used to be the Berlin Wall. Remember, and the the Germans were literally crying because they thought that the United States was finally about to turn the page. Well, I can tell you from the WikiLeaks documents that I surveyed, and I read all two, there's about 20, 20 little, little more than 2,200 WikiLeaks documents that refer by name to Venezuela or you know the Bolivarian Republic or Hugo Chavez. And um, there's no change absolutely no change. And in fact, in many respects, I think the openness that people received President Obama was abused and uh, uh, allowed for, mm, uh, how can I say, the nefarious uh, policies that had been openly objected to, to insinuate themselves into relationships that had you know were were based on the idea that this was going to be different.
0: But I, I know numerous people, Cynthia, who who not only should have known better but did know better, who were in touch with the Venezuelan government. How could they not inform them? How how could not just so many Americans but so many people in South America and in Europe? fall for this? How can we arrange it so that that foreign leaders and, and foreign activists and people of influence next time ask those in, in Washington and in the United States who know better uh, and, and get an accurate uh, report before they go falling for myths and handing out Nobel Peace Prizes?
1: You're absolutely right about that. And, you know, it, it, this is a strange thing, because... I just happened to be in Paris at the time of, uh, well, two things. I was in Paris uh, at the time of the um, uh, re-election, uh, the election campaign of Sarkozy.
0: Yeah.
1: And and, <clears throat> and Sarkozy was everywhere. He literally was everywhere. But remember, he was like the Minister of Interior, you know, that's sort of like the Homeland Security type of person and um and so, what I saw was the utilization of the apparatus of the state to promote the candidacy of an individual. I don't for one time believe that Nicolas Sarkozy won that election um but just because the numbers don't add up, but the the phenomenon of like seeing his posters everywhere. I mean, literally, if, if your eyeballs could touch it and it was a public space, Nicholas Sarkozy's posters were there. Well, the strange thing was that a similar kind of phenomenon was taking place in the Obama campaign. And I don't know if you remember it or not, but I was out there, you know, trying to um, beat the hustings for the Green Party, and it was literally everywhere I went. Everywhere I went, and that's not just across the United States. That's literally in the world. So you go to Africa and you see posters of Obama. You go to Haiti, you see posters of Obama. Uh, yeah. the, the Haitians had even painted President Obama, uh, candidate at that time, Obama's picture on their buses, and you know they have the little um, uh, top-top, the the little private minibus service that they have, and they had Obama's picture posted, (laughs) I mean, painted on these. It's amazing the level, the, 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 the spread, so I should say the breadth and then the depth. So you go to a club trying to get young hip hoppers to uh, understand that there was a, a, a an alternative candidate in the race, and then all of a sudden they break out in a ch- in a in a chant that was almost like putting somebody in a trance. I'm telling you, I had never experienced anything like that. So they would say it was something like. Obama, I can't remember now, but I just remember walking out of the, the the. I was in the Bay Area, and I remember walking out of this club and shaking my head and saying, "This is an intelligence operation," because I'd never seen anything with the the breadth and the depth of what I saw. For candidate Obama.
0: Yeah, his first campaign won public relations marketing awards. I mean, top place for marketing a product, uh, and shamelessly, as if that's not a, a disgraceful sort of thing to be awarded. Let, let me ask you this, uh, Cynthia McKinney. When, when we were trying to impeach George W. Bush, everybody told us oh you're just hateful and vengeful and you you hate Republicans and so forth and I said and many people said no 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 we're concerned that the next person's going to be worse we want yeah. better performance out of the next person well there was no impeachment Congressman Conyers told us it's more important to elect Obama president and here's Obama how's his performance been uh, in terms of war and peace and presidential power grabs
1: Um. You know, first of all, it's almost, uh, as I was walking out of the Congress for uh, the last time, which was in uh, 2007, January 2007, um, I remember John Judge saying to me that Congress had ceded all of its powers to the executive branch and had made itself irrelevant. And um, you know, I, I just continue to think about that as the president deals with um as President Obama deals with with um the executive order, you know, the, he's the executive order president, right? And, you know, during the time of the campaign I said um he's the uh teleprompter candidate and people thought I was hating. They said, Oh, you're hating on um Obama. And I said no, I'm not hating on him. I'm just stating the fact. And as it turns out, you know, uh he he he's not the um uh the well, let me just put it this way. It turned out that I was stating a fact and that those uh elaborate speeches had been written and um and that he was reading them and so now it seems that the qualify the primary qualification um is that you can write a spe- you, you can read a speech that that someone else has written for you uh, uh it is a huge um uh, uh, uh increase in the quality of the presidency because George W Bush couldn't even read them you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right
1: so um but um in in terms of impeachment, I, I think um uh, George W. Bush earned um my impeachment legislation. He earned uh Dennis Kucinich's uh impeachment legislation and Barack Obama has earned uh impeachment legislation but no one dare do it now.
0: Yeah, it seems to me that George W. Bush at least had the decency to go to Congress and lie to them and badger them and get them to sort of kind of authorize his wars. When it comes to these drone wars or the war on Libya, for example, has Congress even been asked?
1: Well, the only thing I can um, say is that, you know, in fact, I just posted this morning that I really wished, wish that the um uh Russians and the Chinese had done a double veto for Libya the way they did uh for Syria and we see that you know the objective of destroying Syria has already been met and um so you know I'm flipping through um but they want to uh, overthrow my, the government trying to do too, my research right? for my dissertation and I'm flipping through these journals, and I find this field called cliodynamics. And basically, it's if you mash up a country, if you mess that country up, and you totally destroy it, how long is it going to take for that country to, uh, you know, get back on its on its feet and uh, have functioning institutions? And basically, you're looking at, uh, you know, say, a, uh, more than a decade, a decade or two. So suppose you are a superpower, and the world is about to burst into multipolarity. And suppose you are a country that feels that it is under siege, And you have been able to insinuate your um, uh, uh, interest into this failing, uh, into the state apparatus of this failing, about-to-fail unipolar moment. So you've got this um, confluence of interests that come together, and serve each other's purposes. And so the destruction of these countries is a lead-up to the destruction of the main countries that can threaten the unipolar moment. At the same time, you've got the destruction of these countries that also serves to extend the suzerainty, and I'm talking about, the known Plan. I'm talking about the A Clean Break Plan that was written by the Project for a New American Century Boys. And so basically, you've got the confluence of the Cold Warriors and the Israel First People. And as a result of that, they continue to win, win, and win. So we see the destruction, total destruction of Libya, the total destruction of Syria right there at the doorstep of Iran, Um, President uh, keeps talking about um, the failures of Iran, and we know that Iran is only a a threshold away from uh, 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 Russia itself. So we've got NATO expansion, we've got the frontal attack uh, economically on Russia, on, um, on Brazil, the containment of China. We've got all of this stuff going on at the same time. I don't know how many people are actually able to understand what is happening and how the U.S. military is being used right now to attain certain objectives that don't benefit me. They don't benefit you, David. They don't benefit my mom and my mom's next-door neighbor. They don't benefit the average, ordinary American. But we've got whistleblowers who have told us that there are some people who actually get very, very wealthy. The more instability in the world there is, the more chaos that is sown, um, uh, the more wars and, and... uh, destruction that is created, the, the more profits some people make. And the uh, apparatus of the state now has been captured by these people. And we have this whistleblower like Scott Bennett, who said that he was tasked with um, studying terror, quote-unquote, terror finance. And what, he, what it came back to was thousands of Swiss bank accounts that were controlled by the CIA. And these folk, well, really, they didn't want peace to break out because there was so much profit and money in war.
0: Let me ask you this, Cynthia, with about five minutes to go, a a lot of people who do come around to recognizing the, the really openly stated goal of the U.S. government of overthrowing these foreign governments think that the U.S. government's ideal goal is really sort of a surgical regime change. They, they'd like to just change the government of Iraq and Libya and Syria and they accidentally mishandle it and in the process they kill a million people and they create chaos and turmoil and ISIS and so forth and those are sort of accidents. Uh, and they, while they've destroyed much of Syria and helped destroy much of Syria, they're, they're really interested in just overthrowing the government of Syria. Uh, the way you describe it, it sounds like turning these, these nations and the regions in into chaos and disaster is really the goal.
1: Absolutely. And so that's why I say that um, these interests have won. And people are saying, well, you know, Syria, uh, they, they haven't won in Syria. Well, uh, what's victory? Victory is, this, is the creation of chaos such that Syria is no longer a threat to anyone and that, uh, and and as Wesley Clark said on Fox News, he said that uh, ISIS was created to destroy Hezbollah. So now you've got Hezbollah um, contributing to the defense of the territorial integrity of Syria, and then, you know, so now Hezbollah is involved. So I think, quite frankly, that these folks have won and that we are being misinformed and sadly disinformed by even some people uh, on the so-called progressive left, um, uh, uh, quite frankly, I think the, the disinformation uh, occurs because in the, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's really hard to be an independent actor now. It's hard to raise money when the entire assets of the people of the United States are being stripped and new oligarchs are being created in the U.S. economy in exactly the same way as was done in what, you know, at that period between um, Gorbachev and Yeltsin, the Soviet Union, and Russia
0: with with a few minutes left Cynthia what can people do in 2016 to make things better to move toward peace and justice it was it was a little bit encouraging a couple of years ago to have people rise up and say no to missile strikes on Syria but they kept arming the so-called moderates and sending in the weaponry and then we saw videos of beheadings and everybody got scared and people accepted war what well, what can we do to to turn this Trend back the other way.
1: I think, really, you people like you and me. Um, I, it's difficult. It's really, really difficult to to go on. But I think we really have to go on with our truth telling, with our translation. What I now call myself a translator. So I I translate the disinformation speak. And sort of expose it as what it really what's really being done and what's really being said and if we- keep continue to do that and utilize social media as long as we can as long as we have social media it's something that we really can do for free. we just need to intensify our efforts so that we can reach more people
0: i I think that is an excellent goal translating Washington speak into normal. Honest English. Uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think we could use a great deal more of that. Uh, it, it, we have like uh, one minute left. Uh, where can people follow what you're doing and support what you're doing uh, in the months ahead?
1: Oh, well, you know, I will definitely send you my website address after I get it up and running. And um, in the meantime, they can find me at Cynthia McKinney Official. On Facebook, and then I'm at Cynthia McKinney on Twitter, and uh, my email address, as always,
0: which you will post on your on your website. Sure. I I will do that if you want me to, absolutely. Uh, Cynthia McKinney has been in the Georgia State Legislature and the United States Congress, and we miss her there. There is not the same voice for peace that there was when people like Cynthia and Dennis Kucinich uh, were in the Congress. The things she voted on uh, against pressure turned out to be right, including NAFTA and the war on Iraq, uh, and she introduced the first resolution for impeachment of George W. Bush. Cynthia McKinney has been a green party candidate for u.s president uh we're having a little bit of trouble with the republican and democrats if anyone hasn't noticed uh dr cynthia mckinney with a doctorate in leadership and action is that it leadership and change leadership and change cynthia mckinney thank you very very much for coming on talk nation radio
1: thank you so much david
0: Please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.